Well, hello and good afternoon from a very cold Tyler, Texas. Bill Allen here of the West Irwin Church of Christ uh, talking to you from our home because we did not have our offices open today. Uh, for us North Tech Northeast Texans, uh, the thought of freezing rain and wintry mix all day today caused our leaders to make the right call and say, you know, we can do what we need to from home and the rest of it, we'll just have to wait. And that was the right thing. So I'm glad to be coming to you today. We'll be talking about a couple of events that happened in Exodus chapter 32 and also in Leviticus chapter 10. And so I hope that you will be um, joining with us uh, for the next 15 minutes or so, and we'll uh, take a look at these great stories. We've already seen some wonderful stories. We're following along with the Daily Bible in chronological order, edited by F. Lagarde Smith, and I uh, hope that you're able to do that. Remember, read today's readings first if you get behind. And so today, being February 3rd, hopefully you're able to do that, and we'll be seeing some different things that will be going uh, along from here. Uh, already we've been traveling with Moses and the Israelites uh, out of Egyptian bondage and into the wilderness, setting up the tabernacle, lots of great impressive stories and also some great stories of faithfulness and unfaithfulness as we'll see uh, today in these stories. Uh, as we left uh, Moses in Egypt, he uh, goes back to Pharaoh at the call of God from the burning bush and uh, commands Pharaoh, let my people uh, go. And, uh, and so he does. After 10 plagues, that, that last one being the death of the firstborn of all of Egypt. The Israelites saved through the Passover as uh, God passed over the Israelites because they had the sign of the blood of the lamb on their on their doorposts at their doors and the egyptians were saying please leave and so they left uh, they were able to uh, loot <laughs> the egyptians as well because they gave them anything they wanted just leave they said and as they went the egyptians had a change of heart pharaoh commanded his army to go after them and that took us to the red sea where god miraculously provided a way for the israelites uh, to go through on dry ground, and then the Egyptians uh, tried to follow them, and God brought the sea together, and uh, the Egyptian army uh, was destroyed. The Israelites continue on, and uh, in spite of all of the things that they had seen, all of the ways that God had delivered them, uh, still uh, the Israelites grumbled and complained, we're out here in this wilderness, we don't have anything to eat. God provided manna and quail, we're going to die of thirst out here in this desert. God provided water from a rock at times, and, uh, and still the Israelites struggled uh, with their faith. Lots of great stories here, including Moses uh, asking God if he could see the Lord's glory, and God uh, passing by. Uh, Moses, uh, so that Moses could just see his back in some form or another. And uh, God told Moses, I will, uh, there's a place nearby where you can be safe. And God put him in the cleft of the rock. And we remember that wonderful hymn, a wonderful savior. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. That's where we get that story 
uh, and we're going to be around that area in Exodus 32 and Exodus 33 and 34. We'll be in chapter 32 uh, today. Moses receives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, one of the accounts of that. And, uh, and then Moses is up on the mountain for uh, 40 days and 40 nights, uh, just as Jesus was uh, tempted and uh, fasted uh, before he began his ministry. Uh, just as uh, we remember the story of Noah not very long ago. And now here's Moses up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And as he is up there, the people get nervous. And so I'll be reading some today. Hope you have your Bible or you'll get it in just a moment. In Exodus 32 is this story of um, unfaithfulness on the part of Aaron, Moses' brother, and the rest of the Israelites. Uh, Exodus 32, when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, Moses' brother, and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And they just couldn't wait. Waiting on the Lord is a very hard thing to do. And so Aaron answered them in verse 2, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow, there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Those first two commandments of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make of even the one true and living God uh, a, an idol, a, some kind of image that represents the eternal God in a limited, uh, more human or worldly form. Uh, God forbid that. And unfortunately, the Israelites now are already breaking at least one of those two commandments, probably both, uh, as they make this golden calf and use the name, the sacred name that Moses received at the burning bush, Yahweh, the great I am. This is the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. They said, and they planned this great day of celebration without any word from the Lord. Um, and they built an altar without any instructions from the Lord. And it's interesting when you contrast this with all of the commandments and instructions that God is giving Moses during this time, as we have read. Uh, very meticulous, very detailed instructions about the tabernacle, about uh, the provisions for it, about the altar, about the basin of water, uh, about the Ark of the Covenant. Um, specific, very specific instructions, and uh, the people uh, did not listen and tried to find a way to worship the God of their choosing the way that they wanted to worship him. Interesting that things haven't changed all that much in 3,500 years, have they? Well, as we know, they continue on, and, and God looks to Moses, and he says, uh, this in verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. 
they have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And then God says this, I have seen these people and they are a stiff-necked people, very stubborn. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. <laughs> and you know, if it were Bill and not Moses, Bill probably would have just stepped aside and said, okay, God, have at it. <laughs> you know, and I know that they deserve it. Uh, but Moses was a, a great leader and also a man of great compassion for his people. And so he convinces the Lord to be merciful. And he reminds him of his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he reminds him of what would happen if uh, the people of the world, of the other nations, heard that God had done this to his own people. And of course, God knew all those things. And this was a part of Moses' faith being tested, I think. And Moses, in this case, comes through in a great way. And so the Lord relented, verse 14 says, and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Later on, Moses would say, as he tried to uh, seek the forgiveness of the Lord for the people, uh, he would tell the Lord, look, if you, if you can't accept this people, then, um, then kill me along with them. And it's a great, uh, great example of wonderful, wonderful leadership. When Moses and Joshua go down from the mountain, his aide who didn't go all the way up with him, but who went part of the way, um, Moses goes down and he approaches Aaron. And he said to Aaron in verse 21, what did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron continues, so I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, jewelry, take it off. They gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> wow, really, Aaron? Really, that's what happened. Uh, Aaron, a great example of very weak leadership uh, that refuses to lead, that uh, allows people to overwhelm the, what is right and what is just and what is merciful, and contrast that with the leadership of Moses. And so sure enough, there is a, a time of judgment in the camp. The tribe of Levi uh, meets out some very uh, challenging justice, and many of the Israelites are slain that day because of their sin. And the story continues on uh, into uh, the history of the Bible and it becomes our history as well and a great example for us. Well, from there, uh, as you know, from your reading, Moses uh, receives much of the rest of the instructions about the tabernacle and begins to, to put it to use. And the people donate out of uh, wonderful hearts and they build the things that are necessary for the tabernacle. And they also receive the instructions for Aaron, Moses' brother in spite of his sin and his sons, to be the, the priestly tribe. Uh, we remember that Levi, one of the sons of uh, uh, Jacob, one of the 12 sons, he becomes a, the priestly uh, family, but it's the priestly tribe, but it's ultimately Aaron and his descendants who are uh, chosen to be priests. Interesting, John the Baptist 
and his parents, both of them actually, Zechariah and Elizabeth, are descendants of Aaron. They are, his father was a priest, and his father was actually doing his priestly functions when he received that vision that he and his wife, though elderly, would have a son, and that that son would become John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. Well, Aaron is his, and his sons are going to be ordained. They are ordained as priests. There's all the instructions about that ceremony, all the instructions about what they're to wear and what Aaron is to wear and to have the 12 tribes, the names of the 12 tribes close to his heart. It's just a, it's just a wonderful, wonderful passage. And throughout this passage, there is that comment that says they did everything as the Lord commanded Moses. Um, it seems like a great moment. And then when it's time for their, uh, uh, their celebration of the completion of the tabernacle and the ordination of the priests, and uh, they open that up, there is this great statement in Leviticus 9, beginning at verse 22. Leviticus, now not Exodus, chapter 9, verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting, the new tabernacle. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. What an incredible moment of worship incredible time of the presence of the Lord. We have wonderful moments of worship and times where we really feel the Lord's presence as well, and what a great blessing that is. But as the ensuing chapter tells us, uh, those wonderful worship experiences alone will not keep us from sinning if we refuse to follow the will and the word of God. And unfortunately, that's what happens with Aaron's two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu. In Leviticus chapter 10, perhaps it's their pride that gets in the way. Perhaps it's this special blessing of being called to this special role. There's also an indication, as we'll read in just a moment, that they um, were involved in drunkenness. At any rate, they refused uh, to obey God. And just as the Israelites had done when they built that golden calf, uh, Nadab and Abihu offer up uh, worship that is not authorized by the word of God. Leviticus 10, beginning in verse 1. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, their staffs, put fire in them and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Verse four, Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphan, sons of Aaron's uncle Uzziel, and said to them, come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, Nadab and Abihu, away from the front of the sanctuary. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, the two next sons in line, do not let your hair become unkempt and do not tear your clothes or you will die. And the Lord will be angry with the whole community. 
but your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did, as Moses said. They couldn't mourn the loss of Nadab and Abihu, even though it was Aaron's sons, even though it was uh, Eleazar and Ithamar's brothers. Uh, they could not uh, do that. They could not mourn because of their unrighteousness that brought about their death and because now they were called and they were placed in a holy position. And God said, you can't mourn them. Your other relatives can, but you can't. That seems harsh. Um, but God, again, is trying to show the people of, of Israel, Moses and Aaron and all the rest, uh, how important it is to be obedient to his commands to his commands, how important it is to maintain that sense of holiness. And that word just means set apart. And the whole nation of Israel was set apart from the other nations to bring the Messiah, ultimately Jesus. But the, the priestly tribe, the family of Moses and his sons were also set apart from within the nation uh, to lead them in their worship and in their sacrifices and to help them to come before the Lord in a holy and, and righteous manner according to the what the Lord had commanded. Then the Lord said to Aaron, verse 8, you, are, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, and so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. And so again, that's a, there's a little bit of speculation here, but it seems obvious to me in the context of Leviticus chapter 10 that that was part of the problem. Uh, Nadab and Abihu had had too much to drink and they lost control and they offered up this unauthorized worship to God and they were struck down because of it. And so God makes it very clear to Moses and Aaron that can't happen. That cannot happen with the leaders of God's people. They must take their role very seriously and be mindful of the word of God, the law of God, and the need that they have to be holy and pure before the Lord for the sake of the people that they are leading in worship. Um, the passage continues in Leviticus 10, and, and we read more about some of the things that uh, God instructed Aaron to do. And then in verse 16, Moses inquires about the goat of the sin offering. They were supposed to eat it. And instead, what had happened, Moses found out that it had been burned up rather than eaten in the tabernacle, in the, in the sanctuary area. And when he hears that, uh, he is angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, and asks them in verse 17, why did you do this? I think I would also say, how could you do this after seeing everything that happened with the golden calf, after seeing everything that had happened with your brothers, um, Nadab and Abihu, and yet now, Aaron, how can you not use that uh, to, to do the right thing here? But listen to what God says in Leviticus 10, verse 19. Aaron replied to Moses today, they sacrificed their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, but such things as this have happened to me. Speaking of the death of his two sons, 
Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Had they disobeyed? Well, yeah, obviously. They hadn't done it exactly as the Lord commanded. There are so many other things that they did, but not this one. But there's a different uh, punishment. There's a different response, rather, from God. Uh, when Aaron pleads with Moses and tells him, how could I, how could I do that today? With everything that's happened to me, uh, Moses hears that and he says, you know, I, I think this will be all right. And apparently uh, it is acceptable before God and Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, the new priests, um, find forgiveness and acceptance in the Lord. Well, what, what do we learn from all of these stories, these stories of God's provision in the wilderness? And we're going to be with them for quite a while still. In fact, it's not for another uh, couple of weeks that uh, when we start this section on February 18th of the Laws of Moses, and F. Lagarde Smith puts his lawyer hat on, puts his attorney hat on, and, and uh, has those laws, those very many, many laws arranged in a way that we can um, understand them and, and see them together. And that's a great blessing. It's a very helpful tool. Uh, that we'll have. And then finally, in March 7th, we get to cross the Jordan River and um, under Joshua's leadership, conquer the land and take hold of uh, that promise that God had given to Abraham and Isaac uh, and Jacob so long before. But for now, we're still reading these stories and we're still hearing about God's provision and, and about God's commandments and about the people's response, sometimes obediently doing everything the Lord had commanded and being blessed and sometimes being disobedient, building that calf and falling down to worship something that is creature and not creator. Um, offering up strange worship, worship that's unauthorized as Nadab and Abihu did and the people suffer and are punished because of that. Why? Because God is a God of justice and law. Um, you can say what you want about the Lord, but he is righteous and he is just and he is holy. And he tells us time and time again, uh, you must be holy when you come before us. Thankfully, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we realize today that that doesn't mean perfection, but that does mean reverence and faithfulness and joy uh, and hope and trust in the Lord. Uh, we see that in a great way. And so we see the Lord's justice and, and holiness here in punishing the people who worshiped the golden calf and would not repent and punishing Nadab and Abihu for offering up unauthorized worship. But we also see his grace and his mercy, not destroying all of the people, uh, but allowing uh, the majority to be saved and forgiven in spite of that worship of the golden calf and also with uh, Aaron and his other two sons, recognizing uh, the difficulty that they faced, being willing to forgive them even though they didn't do something exactly right, recognizing the difficulty of that day and being merciful. It's interesting that Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar weren't destroyed by fire. Um, in, instead, their hearts were different, I think than Nadab and Abihu, and they were forgiven. Why? Because just as John says in John chapter 1, describing Jesus, who came to reveal 
not just truth, but grace. And not just grace, but truth. He was full of grace and truth and revealed that to us in a way that no one else had, including Moses. Today we're reminded of the great call to be obedient to the word and will of God, but also the realization that the God we serve, though just and holy and pure, is also a God of mercy and grace and love who wants to be in relationship with us, will demand our faithfulness and our holiness and our purity, but will also provide a way, even though it costs the life of his son, for us to be able to come before him in faithfulness um, and in joy. I hope that you are safe over these next few days. I look forward to being with you again next Tuesday afternoon. God bless.